when we refer to ancestral medicine, we absolutely refer to teachers. So entering that relationship with these spirits, whether ayahuasca or chuma, bufolarius or others, it's like entering in a cathedral. It's like entering a space, a sacred space. Uh, and uh, the sacredness comes from the humility as well as the impeccability that we were speaking about before, just before we started this, uh, which is about owning who we are. And as soon as there is that capacity, then we become part of everybody learning the game of life. Welcome to the Way of the Healer Conversations for Change podcast. I'm your host, Darieth Chisholm. Here, you'll meet some of the world's most extraordinary thought leaders and experts, iconic artists and creators, top-performing athletes, successful entrepreneurs, philanthropists, spiritual teachers, shamans, healers, and many, many more. They sit with me, an Emmy Award-winning TV host and former news anchor turned filmmaker and life and business coach for some powerful conversations for change. What are these conversations about? Healing. Healing, healing all aspects of our mind, body, soul, spirit, this planet, each other, and the systems and structures we're currently living in. You'll learn about topics like plant medicine and psychedelics, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, conscious communication, the new earth, quantum leaping, multidimensional living, pleasure, play, and sexuality, breathwork, sound healing, food and supplements, and ah, there's just so much. You're just going to need to subscribe to the channel and listen. Come with me now behind the curtain to get the backstory on how and why these remarkable people heal themselves and others, how they lead, what makes them tick, what lights them up, gets them down, keeps them going, and what they believe is the way of the healer. So let's go. You know, I've really had the great experience and pleasure and and privilege, I must say, to sit with many shamans and plant medicine facilitators. And today I want to introduce you to one of them. Freddie Cherry, or who I like to call Doctor, is a multi-skilled visionary, shamanic and medicinal intuitive, as well as energy therapist with a long-standing clinical background in the cranial field of osteopathy and transpersonal psychology. He travels the world offering workshops, practitioners programs, as well as shamanic and plant medicine retreats. Freddie brings a combined 25 years clinical experience to shamanic work and a spectrum of varied processes to support participants into transformative journeys with plant medicines. He holds a deep knowledge of shamanism and plant medicine and leads ceremonies, as I said, around the world. And his teachers are mostly found in the highlands of the Andes and the forests and jungles of Central and South America. I gotta tell you, this is such a good episode. We talk about so many things like the benefits and pitfalls of the rising psychedelics industry, psychedelics versus entheogens, the need for more facilitators in both arenas, states of non-duality and expanded consciousness, and the difference of being one with the universe and being the universe. Whew, like I said, deep conversation. Stay with us and let's go.
Plant medicine, psychedelics, and cannabis have really helped me deepen my meditation practice and morning routine. And while you don't necessarily need our plant natural allies to assist you in meditation, I find that with meditation, I'm able to have more clarity, direction, purpose, and allow divine guidance and wisdom to flow through me. Stillness and quieting the mind allows you to access more of who and what you truly are. And that's where you can activate more creative expression and fulfillment of your dreams. As a gift to you, my friends, I've designed a special high-frequency activation to help you encode, embrace, and elevate your consciousness to ignite your creativity and passion. It's free and available for a limited time. Go to dariuth.com forward slash meditations to receive a guided meditation series with journal prompts and attuned high-frequency sound waves. That's dariuth.com forward slash meditations. Hello, 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 my friends. I'm so delighted that you are back with me for another beautiful episode of The Way of the Healer, Conversations for Change. And today's episode, oh my goodness, make sure you stay until the very end because I promise you, you will be in such an incredible field of wonderful energy as a result of sitting with my guest today, Dr. Freddie Cherry. Thanks so much for being here, Freddie. I'm delighted to be with you, Darius. Um, and thank you for the title of doctor. I'm not a doctor, but uh, I accept the title just for today. <laughs> I call you a doctor, a shaman, a friend. Uh, yes, Freddie, we do certainly appreciate all of the magic and the mysticism that you bring into the world. And for that, I refer to you as doctor. So thank you so much. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, and I really want to start the conversation, this conversation for change, Talking about, um, because obviously the, the audience had a chance to know a little bit of your backstory and your bio in the intro, um, but, but what I'm most curious about is what do you believe the plants, uh, and particularly the, the animals, if you will, that you're working with, um, but more so the plant medicine that you're working with, what do you believe that it is here now trying to communicate to us? It's the time to grow up. And for us all to grow up, to change, to stand, stand up for what we believe and to realign. And I would say that the, the overall message of the spirits, um, whether animals or uh, plant medicine, is the same. Um, there is a path. We need to change. We need to heal and we need to own and reclaim who we are. That's my belief. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is that they've been here all along for centuries, right? And now so many people are talking about plant medicine. It's, it's you know, whether people are listening to it on the news or they're watching documentaries or they're having conversations with friends, the, there's a heightened sense of the availability of plant medicine, and yet, there's also what I like to refer to is really having this, this reverence, this beautiful respect out of the, 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 sacred, the sacredness of it. What about that um, do you feel excited about? And then maybe what about that do you feel concerned about? Okay. To 
preface, preface the, what I'm just going to say is there's a need for us to, to understand the type of relationship we have with these teaching medicines. When we in the West refer to medicine, we don't, there's nothing in the word medicine that includes the educational purpose of a medicine. When we refer to ancestral medicine, we absolutely refer to teachers. So entering that relationship with these spirits, whether ayahuasca or chuma, bufolarius or others, it's like entering in a cathedral. It's like entering a space, a sacred space. Uh, and uh, the sacredness comes from the humility as well as the impeccability that we were speaking about before, just before we started this, uh, which is about owning who we are. And as soon as there is that capacity, then we become part of everybody learning the game of life and the goal of life. And I think that this is really what this is all about. So sacredness, absolutely, relationship, and entering the sacred relationship with a teacher, a fundamental teacher. What am I concerned about? Um, nothing really uh, pops up for me as in, in every retreats training that we offer, we insist on that particular um, aspect of the relationship to, uh, to these sacred teachers. Have I answered your question? Yes, you are. Yes. So when, you know, there are oftentimes that people will say, uh, myself included, and I, I should preface that I've had um, the beautiful opportunity to sit with plant medicine with you um, and experience how you lead and guide and provide the space for those that are with us in these journeys. And Many people will say, I'm in communication with the plants. They're speaking to me. What is it about that intelligence or the conversation or, or what is, if there's a way that you can explain it to folks who've never had this experience, what that can mean for someone? I can absolutely share with you my understanding of this far away from, from me, the, the, the pretension of being able to, to teach, to share wisdom, sure, absolutely. When you enter a, a meeting space, which is within a ceremony, a ceremonial context, we may come to that, to define that. But when we enter the particular space, when we ingest a medicine, or when we inhale a medicine. There is a meeting place and the spirit of the plant or the medicine just comes and meet us halfway. And then there is the, has to be the willingness just to meet the plant where they meet us. So um, I would say this is the key uh, about communication when we are willing to surrender all the fears, the prejudice, the preconceived ideas that we all have regarding entheogens, 
psychedelics, drugs, and so forth, then we have the possibility to enter that particular space. And this is where the sacredness happens for me. There's mm. this drive, um, um, reciprocal drive uh, towards one another. But if you equate that to a meeting with a good friend or somebody that you are really honored to be in the presence of, it's exactly the same thing. There's a, a reverence, there's a, a, a listening more than talking uh, attitude to that, is learning, is being willing to learn, willing to, to transform, willing to surrender. Yeah, and I would say that also, while that occurs, while you're in journey with the plant medicine, there are days and weeks and even months after <laughs> that you are still meeting in some way. Why is that? So uh, your, your question is, is really uh, interesting because this morning I was uh, speaking with a very good friend who was uh, uh, sharing ceremonies uh, with us uh, lately, recently. And she mentioned that this morning she had one of these reactivation of ayahuasca during a three-hour dream where she was taught she was literally taught um, how to deal with a personal issue so why is that why is that frequent they are reactivation um, in the past the old terms for that was a flashback I think they much prefer the word of Rak Razan, uh, who is a, a, a good person that's seen, who's, um, who's calling them a reactivation. Essentially, the medicine, once we have met the spirit of the plant, is in us and is in us forever. It doesn't mean in an intrusive manner. It means in a collaborative manner, in a reciprocal manner. When, whenever we are challenged, or whenever we decide to open ourselves to find the solution for a, uh, an issue in our lives, be it uh, professional, personal, or other, then we have already energetically opened to the possibility to, to learn. And the fact that we have established this relationship of uh, student to teacher uh, is conditioning the possibility for reactivation to occur at random moments. So a lot of people are a bit, uh, a bit concerned about this as and is this going to happen in a meeting with uh, board members or anything like this? <clears throat> when and if it happens, always ride, always recognize what's happening and then always ride the way. It will always allow you to be fully present but it then starts to channel something which is unique, which is the way each plant teaches. They teach with a variety of different um, ways and personalities. And that becomes um, the continuation of the relationship. So why do they happen? Because they are here for good. If we are willing to, we can completely ignore uh, those kind of reactivations. They happen in the middle of the night, they can happen in your day life, in, when cooking, when being in meetings or anything. They do happen. They don't happen that often, but when they happen, it's an opportunity to keep uh, listening, to keep um, uh, growing. Mm. 
Yeah, mine happen in the middle of the night often. And um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but I do have a question as it relates to how is it that you know these things? In other words, give us some of your backstory and what brought you to plant medicine and the work that you do right now and this knowing. Very happy to share to, to share that with you. I am one of millions of people uh, having the same kind of stories. I would never have thought that this would be my path today. Would never have imagined this. I think uh, very humbly, I opened myself to the other ways of knowing, the ones that are no longer cognitive or in intellectual or rational and linear thinking a long time ago. I didn't know how to formulate that. I didn't know how to articulate that. But I've learned step by step the, that the, the other ways of knowing are also a field of information which is vast, which is a lot more precise than the fields of knowing that we know. Why? Because they bypass the brain or our rational capacity to think and to act in the linear uh, reality. So my, my, to answer your question, I have, uh, I've always had this affinity with these other world or other ways of knowing. Uh, and I'm lucky uh, compared to others who try and with a lot of effort, I have somehow somewhat refined my ability to, to, uh, to listen and to listen without the mind. Um, the second part of your question, can you remind me what it is? Just more of your backstory and what, I mean, what brought oh, you here so that there's the yeah. correlation with what you were doing prior to the work that you're doing now. Right, okay. So prior to that, I have been in business to start in my professional life, in commercial activities, in setting up businesses, in different fields. Uh, and then I had one of these uh, moments in my life, which was uh, a, a dream, essentially. And the dream changed every particular setting of my life, from business settings to personal relationships to the way I was walking the path. I didn't know that at the time. It was actually a, a, a struggling experience for me to surrender to a dream, which was so precise. So it was a long time ago, and that put me and set me on the path of entering, and again, I didn't know that before I did it, but entering a, um, um, a position of service. And the, to name it, I immediately following the dream engaged into a training that uh, about a, a natural healing modality that I had no idea about. So the dream was so precise, I had to surrender to the dream. I started to trust absolutely every single um, aspect of this dream. So the natural healing uh, modality was uh, what's called cranial osteopathy or craniosacral therapy today. And I entered immediately a training that obviously happened synchronistically, uh, happened to, uh, to start the day after the dream. And I entered this, uh, this particular training not knowing was expected of me or what I was, um, I was about to enter. 
And I entered a, a space of becoming a, a therapist. Had no idea that I had this capacity. Very, very rapidly then, uh, from a clinical experience uh, uh, starting version, just you know, uh, very early uh, clinical experience, uh, I had another dream that led me to believe that I was here in the capacity of teaching. I refused the 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 sentence of the dream, and I negotiated with the dream for about three years. So I acquired experience in the field then kept on building clinics and so forth. Then uh, the dream knocked again uh, at the door and reminded me that I was here to teach. I made the usual mistakes, but uh, in the endeavor of teaching, I learned a lot about myself. So in other terms, in other terms uh, and this is one of the, uh, I would say, the, the, the byline of, the, of, of my way of, of approaching things is the way, to, uh, the way to learn about you is to teach it. It sounds completely counterintuitive, but it is, actually has been shown to me so many times. But you have to deal with the issues of um, imposter. Uh, says, no, I can't teach because I don't know anything about it. The, the fact that you don't know anything about it, it doesn't mean that you don't hold that wisdom in within. And it is not to be revealed by the courage that you have to take uh, or to make the first gesture towards the capacity of teaching. Ultimately, you realize that you're not teaching. Ultimately, you realize that you're sharing your wisdom. And that's the key part. So from that on, uh, 30 years down the track of a clinical experience within the cranial osteopathy uh, field, I kept on following the breadcrumb. Breadcrumbs made from synchronistic, uh, synchronistics happening, uh, insights, aha moments, dreams. And uh, it led me to uh, um, a variety of different trainings, uh, different modalities or therapeutic modalities to improve the purpose of a therapeutic modality, which is to help and support other people's suffering. Essentially, that, that is, uh, that is the, uh, the, the definition of a therapeutic relationship. And a training made it different fields. Uh, one of them was shamanism or what is called core shamanism in the West. Uh, and I trained also, I started to encounter the traditions, traditions of these shamanic uh, um, uh, wisdom holders. And I trained in one of them, which was the Quiero um, from Northern Peru. And it became one of my leading traditions. I don't only work with one tradition. I don't only work with one medicine today. It's just the way they have called and I always answer the call. Now I know. And I will abide by the call. So um, combination of shamanism merging into cranial osteopathy has led me to learn again that shamanism is such an important component to uh, the process of healing, which we in the West have stripped out of our uh, healing rooms. Uh, and this is the relationship to nature and relationship to the sense of sacred. We are and seeing, the, 
Yeah, we're seeing this rise in shamanism and these conversations about uh, the shamanistic spirit and and the prevalence of shamans in this modern day era. Why is that? I think that the spirits that animate this part of us, which, which we call the shaman within, are strongly knocking at the door and reminding us exactly what we said in the very beginning, we need to grow up. There's a beautiful, beautiful tribe in northern Colombia on the Sierra Nevada, Nevada called the Kogis. Beautiful tribe, very grumpy at the little brother, which is us. And they say, little brother has got to grow up and has to come back into the fold of humanity. They say it with beautiful words, simple words, but they are so clear. About They're very grumpy about us. And they have this, this, uh, this path of reconnecting the ancient sacred sites in the world with golden thread. I'm speaking about literally. There's a beautiful uh, uh, BBC report or program on that, which will explain that. The Kogi, K-O-G-I, for those interested. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I, I'm going to look that up. Um, I am certainly aware that you work with Wachuma, uh, with uh, Bufo, with um, Ayahuasca, with Yopo, with Hape, um, with various different plant medicines. What is there a favorite for you? And if so, why? Just to mention, the last one that I'm working with is Kambu as well. Is there any favorite? Um, my point of entry into entheogens, and we can have a conversation about the difference between entheogens and psychedelics. I would love to, to share that with you. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, yes, I do have a favorite. Um, beautiful rain starting. I see it. It's gorgeous. I have. I'm looking at snow. You're looking. You're. You have rain. <laughs> Always grateful to the rain. Um, so my favorite is Wachuma, without a doubt. Um, however, it's uh, it's not necessarily a favorite to the detriment of others. It's it's an affinity with one medicine more than the other. And that's, uh, that's very, very clear for me. I love ayahuasca. I absolutely adore and revere buffalo virus. It's an important medicine for all of us. For lots of reasons, I deeply respect Campbell. Uh, rape is present within all ceremonies as tobacco uh, contained in rape is the master plant of all, uh, all the, uh, the, the kingdom of the vegetal kingdom, kingdom. And it knows every single plant spirit. So rape is present in all our uh, ceremonies. Others have called again, I have always answered the call, but uh, others are uh, calling for me. And I don't know if it will happen, but I'm open to answer and to follow the breadcrumbs. Uh, tobacco, tobacco and being a tabaquero, a specialized person in that particular vegetalista 
uh, aspect of, of shamanism is, is a sacred plant. Uh, it's an absolutely sacred plant. And, um, and it's a, such a powerful medicine for us. We have obviously screwed up uh, the relationship that we have with that particular plant for lots of reasons, mainly corporate endeavors and so forth. And off late, um, off late, there's something very, very surprising for me because since the beginning of my journey with or walking besides antheogens, um, I have never thought that actually mushrooms would be on our path. And no later than about 10 to 12 days ago, they started to appear. And the, the, the message was so clear. So mushrooms are open for me to go and work with them. It's every time you, you, you start the path of training or wanting to learn, it's a combination of trepidation and what I would call bracing myself because I know the strength of these medicines. I know the places that they take you and they are fundamentally kind and tough. So this is this combination of tough love, uh, which we see very often uh, in the sensationalism that, that YouTube is, is favoring as a way of communication. Uh, versus in, you know, in retreats, you see a lot of people uh, purge or, or suffer and so forth. Whereas there is so much bliss in these medicines, in all of them. Uh, but the suffering or the pain or the painful looking uh, event of or part of these medicines is, is mostly and fundamentally a learning experience mm. where we are given the possibility to surrender a part of us, shadow or not, that is limiting us. So I don't know if I have answered your question. We are always it's, going it's okay. There's, there's never an answer. There's always a conversation. That's the way I love um, uh, to speak. Um, the, well, the question I asked was, what was your favorite, or as you pointed out, your affinity to uh, yeah. and Wachuma? Uh, and and I am curious to know why Wachuma, why in particular? This is the medicine that has gif gifted me the most powerful ally, and this is a power animal. We go into a, a part of the shamanic knowledge, which are totems and totem animals. So Wachuma gifted me my most powerful ally. It's not the only one, but it's my most powerful. It has a very, very kind way of working. Uh, whereas uh, uh, another friend of mine just uh, says it beautifully, she, she says, whereas ayahuasca is a rodeo, Wachuma is a love fest. <laughs> That's and a good is, way to put it. It. <laughs> it is a really good way of putting it. Um, Wachuma will invite you to do the work. Ayahuasca grabs you, throws you in the fire and say, you have no choice. Yeah. Uh, to give an experience or a, a comparison of personalities, yeah, um, and uh, and it's a beautiful way of uh, of putting it, and each one of them teach in a different way. So mm. we have to learn different aspects of things. 
I don't know mushrooms yet. I'll tell you what I do. <laughs> well, I can't wait to have that conversation because I love the mushrooms and I know. And, yeah, well, and I, but I'll tell you, my first experience was not so much. I'd been working with all of the plant medicines that you just uh, mentioned and uh, had the opportunity to sit with mushrooms. And, and I'll never forget the first day I was like, I don't know quite what to do with you or what you're doing with me. I don't know how to feel. And I, I was like, well, maybe this isn't the thing, you know, I'm, you know, I just couldn't quite get it. And, and I had this, this, what felt like a full conversation. And, and it was like, it's okay, darling. We've got a lot of varieties. This is the first time. Try us again. <laughs> and then the second time was like, whoa, it was so profound. And then I said to myself, it's okay, darling. You have a lot of varieties. Keep trying. <laughs> They're so playful. They are so playful. <laughs> and and you found the, what's that? You found the kindness of yes. this music. Yes, they, 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 they each, as you point out, are so different. And I would say that the analogy of Wachuma versus ayahuasca for me is right on. Like what, you know, um, and, and our affinity to each of them, I believe grows as we obviously spend more time and you, you know, me being a neophyte in all of this, if you will, and, and you having walked this path for such a long time, not only uh, experiencing, but leading others through it really has opened you up to, to advance. I would, like to, yeah, I would like to add something to this. Sorry to interrupt you. When you say mushrooms are very playful, it brings me to, to really um, mirror back to you something. I have been lucky enough to, to, to work with you, to hold the space for you to go and work with these medicines. So I'm, I'm, I'm really informed on the way you navigate that space and uh, they are really playful because you are willing most of the struggles in our retreats or in our training are coming from the key elements of humanhood and we, we all share that and this is resistance you have little resistance to the game and the, 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 the navigational space that they offer. And that's why you find the playful or the bliss in most of your, uh, of your experiences and in ceremonies. So back to the to, to helicopter view of that, we bring to the space the amount, the adequate amount of resistance for us to work on this and to be willing to surrender. Uh, so medicines will work with you in different ways, but will always show you, do you have any resistance to that and blast you into that space of resistance as an opportunity for you to understand that the resistance and the surrender is the key to mm. the experience itself and to yeah. working with them, to be led by them safely, kindly, and in a nurturing uh, manner. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I have found exquisitely profound experiences with mushrooms, just, you know, starting with playful and really going into expansive and um, and everything in between. I, I would say that that probably with mushrooms alone is, 
is maybe the most diverse in that ayahuasca is, is I get a very intense feeling. Wachuma is very grounded and very in the 3D uh, experience. And so they each, for me, give me an entirely different experience. But I would love to bring up, since we're talking about my experiences, so that you can offer um, for people that are watching uh, the conversation around reaching expanded states of consciousness and non-duality and this, this sense of oneness with it all. I will never forget the first time that I reached that, and that was in a ceremony with you with ayahuasca. Did you know that beyond this podcast that I help busy entrepreneurs, storytellers, artists, creatives, and healers who might be feeling a little bit bored and burnt out and trying to figure out what to do next and what's my purpose in life, really find those answers? How? Oh, I say it's through shifting. It's just a matter of shifting your vibration and your frequency to higher states of consciousness and awareness in order to find the answers and live the life that we truly desire to live. So if you want to become a deliberate conscious creator who is enjoying the creations and the manifestations that you are experiencing in life, then I invite you to be a part of a very special five-week intensive. You can get all the details at dariath.com forward slash shift to learn more. You can experience wholeness, personal freedom, expanded states of creativity, confidence and flow while achieving your goals and flourishing in your unique gifts and talents. After this podcast episode, please head over to dariath.com forward slash shift to learn more about it. So since we're having this conversation about my experiences with plant medicine, I will, I, I would love to talk a little bit more about one of mine in particularly under the context of understanding expanded states of consciousness or reaching what I prefer to call like non-duality or oneness with it all. And I'll never forget my first time in that space. And I've been with plant medicine a lot since then and have reached that. But the first time was so profound. And that was in a ceremony with you with ayahuasca. And I, I can remember uh, the next day in integration saying, Freddie, what happened? Like the, I'm trying to put words to it. Of course, it's so ineffable and so hard to describe. And yet I'm, I'm looking for the words and, 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 you know, it's like this oneness, this, and, and you said, I said, now what do I do? And you said, let the field inform you. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I now know what that means, but for others who, who may have that first experience and I've since had it and I want to go into another situation, but, 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 but what does that mean? Okay. <clears throat> By the by, all medicines that I know of what, are, what I call antheogens lead to the same space to the same possibility for us to merge and to not become one with the universe to, but to become the universe it's radically different yes when you say one with there's the one and there's the object that you are with 
this is already a separation. You're not one with, you are, you are the entirety of not only the universe, but what holds the universe. And that's fundamental to understand. What we call the universe is an idea, concept that we can measure to some extent with technicality or te technical science today. But there's, these medicines show you what holds that space. So, as I say, they all lead to the possibility of experiencing that. But why? <laughs> if you have a look at spirituality over thousands and thousands of recorded years, because we only have access to what we have recorded or the possibility to explore, there has always been the desire to understand the universe. I call, I'll call it the universe for that, for that. There's always been part of these ancient traditions which are sacred. Um, the, the willingness and the desire to understand true reality versus mundane reality. Why? because it informs our very life in every single aspect. It allows, so the experience of bliss and merging and becoming the, the universe and what holds the universe allows us to put things into perspective in our lives, to distance ourselves from the noise that we are creating, that we are nurturing, or self-sabotage in, in a self-sabotage way. Uh, it also informs the quality of our reality and a respect for this reality that we are in as a way of learning what we call life, but also knowing that we are held within something so much bigger than what we call reality. And we'll not get into the scientific aspect of things because we could have that conversation. But it's, it's been debated by so, so many people, but ultimately we all arrive to the fact that in science, we are still on the hypothetical aspect of the world or the understanding of the world. So to answer your question, the, the field of what holds the universe is here to inform our very life. I'm very, very fond and very, very much insisting in all the work that we offer, in all the relationship we have with participants and students, we all offer, we all ask that not only you integrate the journey and we helping for that uh, important pillar of the experience, but you move into action in the world. So there is the preparation to an experience, there is the experience itself, there is the integration part of it, which is a vital component. But once you have had a, a taste or integration, the meaning of your experience, then you have to find the actions in the world so that you can embody the spirit of what you've learned and serve others without a doubt. We are here, all here to serve. You, as a professional in uh, an industry, you have 
and you know I, I would love to have another, another podcast but being on the other side is interviewing you what has led you to that so the journey is is full of quirky moments and beautiful moments but this is it today you are serving by what doing what you do today i'm only a humble servant in an arena which is just about to explode yeah. in so many different ways for the purpose of serving others in the journey and in this suffering or these struggles in that particular journey. Yeah. That's my understanding of it. Yeah. I, I so appreciate your explanation. I now know what that means. And I now understand that first experience for me was in my description, like I felt like I was one with my understanding of me being the universe, me, me experiencing not the oneness with, but being the one came in my experience with Bufo, uh, with happened to be with you again. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that experience was when the knowing of that, when mm -hmm. I was able to embody the knowing of that and by far the most profound experience of all. Hmm. you raise a very important topic which is the knowing so and that goes into how to navigate the space of the what that these entheogens offer it's about really allowing ourselves to understand the world in different ways the other ways of knowing that i was speaking about um <clears throat> we have so many different ways of uh, understanding life and reality the ways that they offer the ways to learn about ourselves the way to grow the way to transform the way to heal is calling on the capacity that we all have to learn in so many different ways one of them which is a very very strong one in the domain in the field of entheogens is what i would call the direct knowing it bypasses the brain we have to start using our brain in that space and that's that's what I'm always always um, insisting uh, on in these particular ceremonial spaces that we share with others. Uh, you have to be willing to start the brain to say, if I don't have my brain, I'm no longer me. So no, when you start willing or be, you start becoming willing to tone down, not to cut off the the mind, but to tone down the mind, then you enter in a way of relating to everything that is you. Mine is giving you, it's providing an illusion of being you. You have a name, you have a, a job, you have a title, you have a life, you have this, this, and that. And this is who I am. Um, and a lot of people are still at this stage. We are so much more than that. But the process of learning that is given today in ways that have never existed before in order to understand the reality of what holds the universe. In the past, we had a few options. We had the option to go and live in a cave in the Himalayas for 50 years in freezing and in impact on our bodies, uh, intense um, techniques 
uh, or uh, Sadhu in India will have to extract himself from the world and so forth. Today, we have all these antiogens, mm -hmm. but they are to be taken seriously. In other terms, to enter a sacred space with them and a sacred contract, which is teach me. Yeah, yeah. Teach me that, not to say, sorry. Yeah, I, that, that's so beautiful. And absolutely the sacredness is what is so important. And so now let's have this conversation about psychedelics versus uh, entheogens. I think that's a perfect segue into that um, because in fact, there would be those that argue that they are entirely different. What is your take on that? Okay. There are so many different definitions that today you have to, to make your own and to feel comfortable with using a terminology that fits you and that is expressing and articulating the meaning that it represents for you. Too many definitions of psychedelics, too many definitions of antheogens, and they all partisan to some extent. So I'm going to add mine, but just, just not as a contribution to others, just as a way for me to articulate the, the, the path that I'm on. A psychedelic is mostly um, something that has nothing really... Mm, Okay, I'm going to backtrack a little. For me, an antheogen first is a natural medicine. In other terms, a medicine that is growing, that is a live medicine. Anything that is extracted, modified, lab-made, or hand-tampered with, or man-tampered with, is no longer an antheogen. It has mostly in the process of being tampering with the original medicine. It has extracted the spirit of that medicine. That is the fundamental difference between antheogens and psychedelics. Do not tamper with them, otherwise you fall in the psychedelic arena. Mm. Antheogens are those who are teaching the experience of the divine, the sacred, and the understanding of everything. Psychedelics, as soon as modified, no longer have the potency of the spirit within them. They may still have a little bit, but mostly the spirit has disappeared. When a spirit is impeached or uh, impeded, uh, it no longer has the possibility to go and to take you safely to the place of everything. So sure, you can have very revelatory experiences on psychedelics and the rise of the psychedelic renaissance is, uh, is a, tri a, tri a tribute to that. But um, that would be my explanation about the difference between antheogens and psychedelics. Yeah. As soon as they are modified, extracted, they have lost or diminished the potency of the spirit. There is also obviously this rise in the need for trained facilitators, guides and coaches, and those that will um, not necessarily serve the medicine and sometimes to do that, but to also be able to safely facilitate and guide people through uh, preparation through actual ceremony and then integration. And so as you see this coming online for the need for both, 
what what are your impressions what's your weigh in on that sure so let's let's already divide the psychedelic renaissance with what i call the antheogens emergence just to use a different word um <clears throat> Let's speak about the psychedelic renaissance and the need for facilitators in that particular field. So we can, uh, we are all witness of what really is happening in the world of the, the so-called psychedelic renaissance. Essentially, there's a point of entry, which is most particularly in the States, which is mental health. And uh, there's a need for that. There's a profound need for that. But mental health, is also a need for other countries in the world. But let's speak about the, the state for one second. So the birth of this new industry called and supported by the psychedelic renaissance has the point of entry is the mental health. They have, so when they say they is uh, essentially, uh, business ventures have started to pour uh, billions of dollars into that, uh, that birthing industry. And they have made that industry what it is today, which is a combination of a lot of VC or venture capital uh, investment into companies. Uh, as well as the development of, of the relationship with universities. A lot of the universities, in the, in, especially in the States, have developed departments or psychedelic research departments. And then the third agent in that is the regulatory uh, organization, the law. The law as well as what contributes to the law, the FDA, the CDC, and you name it, for speaking about the States only. So we have those three components on that. All the effort here is to support a need and the modification of the social infrastructure of the American people is really changing due to that. You see decriminalization everywhere in the world. You see modification of the laws, uh, as well as uh, a raft of different tools to support that industry, which is called the psychedelic renaissance, or the big umbrella term is psychedelic renaissance. Observe what is happening though in, in the, the business side of things. So the battle here, and, and there's always battle when it comes to business or classical modern business is it's a battle. It's a battle uh, that is standing on the ground of competition and acquiring proprietary uh, to acquire patents in other terms on extracted molecules from natural antheogens. Extracted molecule, modifying them to a certain extent so that you can own essentially that molecule. And millions of dollars, billions of dollars are poured into achieving just that in the hope that the um, that the use of their patented molecule will take the chunk of a new market, which is the application of, um, of a framework, legal, medical, 
paramedical, psychotherapeutic around the use of these particular psychedelics. So you have all these particular agents or this particular move in that particular industry that are leading to the extent of actually clinics being uh, set in the world, uh, anticipating the opening of this market based on the FDA regulations of MDMA chemical, purely chemical, ketamine, purely chemical, psilocybe, uh, uh, purely chemical, even though it's coming from mushroom, but the regulation here or the extraction needs to happen. And then the um, I say the rush of uh, competitive businesses uh, entering the particular scene in order to, to create, if possible, patents so that they become uh, uh, the owners of these particular compounds. And then the relationship or the favoring of a relationship between the business side as well as universities and the backing of universities and research to the benefits of the whole new industry, which is called psychedelic renaissance. It goes through the distribution of these particular compounds, which by the by are going to help so many people get out of um, uh, treatment resistant depression, uh, anxiety, uh, uh, opiate addiction, which is such a big problem in the world, not only in the States, uh, and so forth. So let me be clear, I have nothing against the psychedelic renaissance. I'm so for it because it will help so many people who can't travel to Mexico or Peru or uh, Ecuador in order to do the work. The clinics, uh, and so the model of distribution has been today the one that integrates a, a field of health which needs a renaissance itself. And this is the psychology or psychotherapeutic field. The, psycho, the psychotherapy, psychotherapy as we know it today has been mostly completely inefficient in moving people and helping people really heal it has been helpful to get out to get people out of self-harming or harming others absolutely and it's such a great gift of psychotherapy to our world and to our illnesses however the overall efficiency of psychotherapy is very disputed or at least very controversial and statistics here are there to prove that psychotherapy comes from a model of a particular relationship with a person which is obviously a non-touch, non-somatic kind of relationship. There is the classic therapist and the couch. Massive distance between the two of them. And then this field needs to evolve and then is feeling a bit, uh, a bit stifled by those kind of relational models. So they are, have started in the last 20 years just to open up to somatic and uh, somatic the body, which means that they will integrate somatic uh, processes in their own uh, clinical um, um, environment. Back to the psychedelic renaissance, the psychedelic renaissance today has to have a model of distribution of the compound that is successful, that is legal, that is authorized, and that is screened by authorities. So we have a renaissance of psychotherapy 
within the psychedelic movement because they become, uh, it, it, there is a need for psychotherapy to accompany. Well, this is the only, uh, only option that we have in order to keep a person safe. Uh, first, within the clinical environment, uh, and this clinical environment today, all the business ventures in the clinics uh, that are, uh, that are uh, mushrooming from everywhere, no pun intended, uh, are, uh, are focused on creating very specific environments from the music you listen during a, uh, um, I would say an MDMA or ketamine experience that you uh, enter this is a, a clinic, you walk by and you enter, you have an MDMA clinic or ketamine experience. There is that. The regulation or the model of these businesses are based on not only inviting a person in and controlling the environment from the music, from the amount of touch that is going to happen, the amount of wording that is going to happen, and then the follow-ups. But all that becomes and has to fall into a, a skill, which is then filled up. This gap, this, uh, this lack is filled up by the psychotherapeutic community, psychotherapist community. So today we have, unfortunately, uh, very, very few um, uh, trainings in the world that are offering anything else but psychotherapeutic models to psychedelic assisted therapy. So therapy needed to have its name into the psychedelic renaissance. And now what we are hearing a lot, a lot about is psychedelic assisted therapy. So therapy is an important component of the model that is about to be released worldwide because it's not only the US, but regulations, law legalizations, decriminalizations, as well as the model of distribution of that particular industry is phenomenal to watch and to, to witness, but to understand what is happening. And rather than just being at the crude level of psychedelic revolution or uh, renaissance, it's not that this is a whole industry behind this. It will do a lot of good, a lot of good. And I'm so for it, um, even though there's one thing missing in that particular approach is the acknowledgement to the wisdom holders of this world who have kept and nourished their relationship with the spirits of the planet for so long. And, and thank you for that beautiful explanation uh, and delivery of like the state of the psychedelics renaissance. And you also promote this need for entheogenic or uh, entheogen emer in this entheogen mer emergence of facilitators who uh, can work closely with the traditional um, way of being with the plants. And so what do you see that looking like and how is that model or way of facilitating, not how is it different, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be very apparent of the difference, but, but how do you see the need of that coming up as we see the psychedelics renaissance old therapeutic way of evolving okay. the answer to that question is i don't know i can answer the on the differences um i don't know because there are very very few people who have taken the path of training or entheogen training i'm one of them i'm such a, a humble contributor to that but there are so many 
sorry, they, they are very, very few, exactly the opposite, versus so many training now in the psychotherapeutic environment was um, become a psychedelic assisted therapist. Uh, <clears throat> so the differences between those clinical environments that we're speaking about, which will be in your city, in your, in your suburb, uh, very, very soon, already happening in many countries, in, in England, in Italy, and so forth, Germany. Um, so this is already happening. The very difference between an entheogenic training and a psychedelic-assisted um, uh, training, therapy training, is first of all, the entheogenic will work within a ceremonial context. The fundamental importance of ceremony. The second thing is the motivation of uh, the clarity of the goal of this, which is to restore the harmony between nature and the sacred. In middle, we are there. We have, and this is part of our growing up, we have to fundamentally restore our own capacity to connect to nature and to the sense of the sacred. I'm not going into a God or divine conversation, but the sense of sacred, which is as simple as the beauty of nature, the beauty of a newborn child, that brings all of us into the validation of the, the sacredness of life. So these are the fundamental components. You will not find ceremony in clinics, not at all. I, I can promise you that even though there may be an effort or a struggle to try to re replicate that within. But these are in nature, the need to be in nature in order to allow and support the journey with an antheogen. When we extract um, a, a compound from a medicine, we ignore the entirety of the other spirits that exist in a plant. If you speak about what you might have about 92 spirits, different compounds that work synergistically in order to support the person in their journey. Ayahuasca, we keep on discovering new compounds in ayahuasca every day. And today there's about 113 of them. Uh, as I say that, I know that the count has changed. Uh, but they are all spirits. We believe that they are compounds the ancient wisdom holders have always known the variety of different spirits working synergistically within that particular message. So back to your question, uh, Darius, I think that the difference between uh, uh, an antheogen training and uh, a psychedelic uh, training or a psychedelic, psychedelic assisted training, antheogen facilitated training, is really or lies in those fundamental uh, tenets uh, or concept ideas which need to be experienced. Yeah. You can learn to how to become a psychotherapist with a degree of four, five, six years. You can become a PhD, you can have a master, but this is about learning. This is about yeah. the mind. An, uh, an antheogen facilitated training, you throw out the mind you have to become the material you learn from. Mm, and yeah. that is fundamental. You cannot come into these trainings with, uh, and we have a training starting in September, but uh, next year, but uh, these 
these training require for you the willingness, the humility to let the mind and all, everything you know on the side so that you can enter as you enter a cathedral. I mean, I'm you about a cathedral or a temple, a mosque, anything, anything where spirituality or prayer has been. And then you enter with reverence, humility, and integrity. Yeah. And then you have to find this. Yeah. That is so beautiful. And it's exactly how we started this conversation. And as we round out towards the end, uh, and before I ask my final question, are there any uh, additional thoughts uh, or, or conversations that you'd like to have before I ask this final question? I think there would be millions of them. And I, and I know <laughs> we, could, we could keep on rolling for We'll have hours. to do a part two for sure. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. Anytime. Um, let me think. Yeah. Uh, and I think that uh, that what I'm going to say refers to every single chapters of our conversation to, together today. So uh, I'm I'm glad it, it allows me to to wrap up with that. And this is about answering the call. If there is any, anything in you that brings you to a struggle, which is which sounds, looks, may look like, I know that I'm here for something bigger than what I'm currently offering to the world. I know that. I'm destined to something else. There's too much struggle in my life today. How can I simplify and find peace, balance, and harmony? Um, how to find my true purpose, the true meaning of my life? If you've, you have the sense of that particular call in your life or calling in your life, anthiogens, is one of the many good options. Antheogens is not the cure for everything and anything at all, but it's a really good path and journey to start upon to really grow, transform and heal. Um, so that would be my, my last word on that. Mm. This calling has been as I said, can't mention every single aspect of our conversation from me learning very early on what is a calling and trying to struggle, well, struggling to understand what that meant in my life, then surrendering, then finding my purpose, then finding my meaning, and then keep on developing, keeping on developing that purpose, always in relationship to service to mm. others. So I don't know if you are hearing the call, just come and join us, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and we will, with that invitation, provide all of the links and information to get in touch with Freddie, to learn about his upcoming retreats, uh, his upcoming trainings, and of course, to connect with him on various social media. You'll find that in the show notes, as well as uh, on this video below on this YouTube video. So be sure to look for that. Freddie, let me ask you, and I always ask all of my healers who come to this space and um adorn us with this beautiful conversation for change. What is your meaning of the way 
of a true healer. How do you know what the way is and what is the way for you? Okay. I'm not going to try to proselytize in my answer, uh, Diane. I'm going to offer you my version of, uh, of the answer of that question. The real way of a healer is to give up being a healer first. Being very aware that you are entering the space of a relationship with a person who needs to be healed as a facilitator of the space for a person to heal. We all have this innate capacity to heal. We have to start delegating it to others. So the true way of the healer is to realize that this is a joke, that you cannot be a healer. You don't heal anybody. Uh, healing somebody and being happy about it is an illusion, an illusion that refers back to lack or a misunderstanding of what it is to stand in the world. That will, would be, in a nutshell, my answer to your question. Don't heal anybody. Just enter the healing space, hold that space, be, and witness. When you do that, the healing will occur in speed, magnitude, scope, and durability of the healing that has nothing to do or nothing to match with any kind of psychotherapeutic context, being medical or others. Don't get me wrong. Medicine today is phenomenal. It saves lives. But when it comes to growing and owning who we are in the world, I think that antiogen have a very, very, very special niche. Uh, and, uh, and they do so much good. There will be ceremonies around you. Ask questions. Wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, just look around. They will be underground in, in countries that are uh, more, I would say, regulated. There will be all neighbor countries who can uh, just support you stepping on that particular journey. Yeah. I wish you good luck. Yeah. Oh, so, 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 so beautiful. I'm so honored and so grateful that we had this time together. And for those of you all who are watching this on YouTube, I invite you to please subscribe to the channel, like this video, make a comment below, and by all means, share it. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, be sure to uh, make sure that you also turn on your notifications so that you're informed on the other upcoming episodes. And you can also make a comment and share this as well. Freddie, my absolute appreciation to you for all of the work that you do, for the blessing that you are in the world, and my extreme gratitude for knowing you. Thank you for being on this show with me. Thank you, sister. I love you. I love you. And <laughs> I love you. I am delighted to be able to uh, to support you, and I'm delighted to be in your life. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Gratitude to you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you so very much. So much gratitude. Thank you, everyone, for being here. 
Did you know this podcast is a part of an even larger docu-series? Yep, there is an entire documentary underway called The Way of the Healer, where I introduce you to extraordinary women from around the world who are transforming lives with the use of plant medicine and psychedelics. You can learn more about it at thewayofthehealer.com. Thanks for being a part of my day and for listening. Be sure to check out the website, thewayofthehealer.com, for more details, useful tools and links, free resources, and more. Disclaimer, the Way of the Healer Conversation for Change podcast and its host and guests are providing this information for educational purposes only. We do not condone nor condemn the selling, purchase, or use of any substances that are considered outside of legal acquisition or usage. We encourage discretion and safety when involving yourself or others with substances and activities that are deemed illegal by your official local government laws and agencies. It is your responsibility to research and know applicable laws.